My name is Cameron Park. Um, I'm one of the facilitators here, um, and I'm also a math teacher at Carson High School. So the two responses I get to that, that I'm a math teacher, one is like, oh, you must be really smart. The other one is really my favorite. It's, oh, I hate math. Uh, so if you've ever had someone tell you that they hate what you do, then you know what it's like to be a math teacher. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty good there. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, we're in a sermon series called Mind Monsters, and week one, a couple weeks ago, we had pride. Brian talked about pride. Uh, week two, Brian talked about anger. Today, I want to talk to you about depression. Um, a lot of us know depression. A lot of us know the word. A lot of us hear it a lot, and uh, you know, I want to kind of define what we're talking about with the depression today. I'm talking about this perpetual sadness, this continual sadness that we have. You know, if you've had a bad week, you know, most of the time, Monday is that day that you dread. It's that depression day. You know, oh, Monday's coming. That's tomorrow. So be a little depressed. But that, it's the, the continual sadness uh, that we see in life, that whatever may be the reason that we, it's that perpetual sadness. So how do we get depressed? Some, some situations of how we get depressed, maybe some chemical imbalance. Uh, if that's you, if that's, if that's your case, that you have to take medicine for that, keep doing that. That's, that is a good thing that you take that medicine to treat that chemical imbalance for that depression. Another thing that I think that is key and it's becoming more and more prevalent nowadays with the social media, with our phones in our hand, is comparison. There's no lack of apps that you can sit there and scroll through and like, oh, I, you know, hey, this, this person's Instagram is really nice, I, but they don't have what I have, or, like, I, or I don't have what they have. We compare ourselves to these filtered situations through social media. Like, everybody's going to put the good stuff up there, but we compare ourselves. Uh, we don't have this. I don't have this. And so we get depressed. Uh, and then the, the third reason I think, or, or another reason I think we get depressed is circumstances. That's kind of the most prevalent. Like you, you lost a job, you lost a family member, you lost a loved one, uh, you've lost something, or it could be that you have everything, but you realize there's emptiness in that. So um, when I think of depression, I think of a math example, okay? So some of you think about math is depressing. I don't think that way. I think math is awesome. It shows me more of God. And uh, I teach this thing uh, in math two. Uh, it, it's math through math one. They got really creative and they rechanged all the names. So math one and then math two. Math two, we deal with solving triangles. So we've got two horizontal lines here. This is going to be really straight. Oh, that's pretty good. That's better than I do it on the board at school. So we've got two angles here. All right. One of them is called angle of elevation. One of them is called angle of depression. It never ceases to fail me that Students can pick the angle of depression out better than they can elevation. That blows me away because of, of just how we can think of our circumstances. So I've put number one here and number two here. Which one is the angle of depression? Okay. Number one is the angle of depression. It looks down. All right. The kids get that immediately. They're like, yeah, angle of depression looks down. I'm always down. I, I, I look depressed. I'm looking down. So it's looking down. Angle of elevation looks up, looks at the perspective of the mountains. Elevation, it's up. And it never fails me. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me that the kids get this one more than they get this one in terms of labeling. But when we make this a triangle, if there's a word problem about an airplane flying up here, this is my airplane impression. That's pretty good. Uh, 
They, and, and the word problem will say, hey, the angle of elevation or angle of depression is 30 degrees. Well, the cool thing about that, if this is 30 degrees, so is this. And I tell them that it, no matter what you see, angle of depression or elevation, you can label it down here. Because the way we teach the triangle solving, this one's a little bit easier to solve. Because it's, you've got the line here, line here. They don't really like it when it's turned up this way. And you're like, okay, that's cool and all, but what does that have to do with us? Well, I think in our, in our life, depression, we look down. We're looking very inward. We've got our perspective in ourselves, and we're looking down, and we're like, it's, it's just bad for me. I'm sad. Like, everything's going wrong for me. Angle of depression. Angle of elevation, it's the same exact circumstance. It's just a different perspective. All right, so if you're taking notes, here's one of the, the big idea that I want to uh, make uh, here about this. If you may not be able to change your circumstances, like these angles, I can't change them. They're the same measure. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change your perspective. What I mean by perspective is this one's looking down. This one's looking up. And when we look up, we look to God. We look to him when we're in our moments of depression. These circumstances may not change. I have a loss of a loved one. I'm looking down. I'm depressed. I can still have those same perspectives if I'm looking to God. So the, the Bible is very clear on a lot of things about depression. They talk, there's plenty of examples for this. I think one of the best places to see how people dealt with their depression is the book of Psalms. We're going to Psalm 42. If you will turn there, it'll be a, you could go to the Bible app as well. We're going to look at Psalm 42. Psalm 42 was written by King David. If you know anything about King David, he had a lot of hard times. Uh, he you know, experienced his kids were crazy. He you know, did some things himself that got himself into trouble, that led him down the depression road. But his perspective here in Psalm 42 was all about God. So um, let's look at Psalm 42 together. And I want you to kind of see this as his heart cry during this time. So this is what he wrote to share with us in this moment. Like he didn't just, you know, sit there and sulk in it. He, he wrote this down, and this is his heart cry to this. So let's read Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Maybe some of you have felt that when your tears are like your food day and night. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs and of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and of Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation 
and my God. So there's a lot there that David is just pouring out his heart. Sometimes you feel this way. Uh, I think there are really four things that David does that we can learn from. All right, so there's going to be four things that we can learn from David's perspective and how he found God. It was trying to seek God in this depression. Because it's very clear that these people were against him. They were going to the point of saying that, where's your God? God's forgotten you. They were taunting him so much, and he felt that. Uh, So the, the first thing that I think that we can learn from David is, I'm depressed because my soul thirsts for something. There in verse 1, it says, uh, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Um, and then he continues in verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I don't know if you've ever seen a deer pant for water. I haven't. I haven't gone hunting or anything. But I have seen a dog. My dog, when I was growing up, it was named Lassie. It was a collie. And my parents, we had a pond behind our house where we had goats that would clear it out. It was awesome. And then we would let Lassie go in the back pond area. So she was normally in this fence up here, and then we let her out into this huge acreage of land. And what she would do, she would just go crazy, just like a dog would. Like she, she just go nuts, and it was it was hilarious to watch her because by the end of it, she's and then she goes to the pond and just gets as much water as she can. That's what I picture when I see this. When I see this in verse one, I you know a deer, yeah, I can see that, but I also see Lassie. I see Lassie's sitting there just she's so dry and just needs more that's how our soul is when we're depressed it there's no coincidence that depressed and desert start with the same two letters all right it it means that connotation of everything's dry everything's downcast and we thirst for something a lot of us in our life we feed that thirst with something that's not going to fulfill it very long you know you maybe you run to a, a Food, you eat your feelings. Maybe you run to a dirty romance novel. Hopefully that's not the case. Maybe you run to a Netflix binge watch show. Like hopefully, again, that's not the case either. But we go to those things that fulfill us for maybe a a, a pause of a moment. Just like when you're physically thirsty and exhausted and you try to drink a soda, it's probably going to work for a little bit, but you're going to be probably more thirsty at the end of it if you're doing that. Uh, physical activity with that. So I think that when we thirst for something, when we're depressed, we thirst for something, and what we should be thirsting for and filling that void of thirst is God. Uh, and the very first thing that David writes down that blows me away, he doesn't say, God, get me out of this. He doesn't say, God, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm walking away. He goes, God, I want more of you. My soul is dry, and I want more of you. That is magical that that is powerful in our lives today like if you're depressed if you're in a moment of this this desert in your soul this right here is powerful because it's God's word for one but he's asking God to come show up in his life that is I love that I love that in verse one the second thing that I see David uh doing that we can learn from him is I remember who God is and all that he's done for me. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs and praise, uh, keeping with the multi, uh, a multitude of keeping festival. And then again in verse 8, he says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song was with me. I love those two verses because he talks about going to the house of God and going to the temple and going to those 
people and being a part of the worship service there. He, he remembers going to uh, just all that God has done for him in his life to that point. When's the last time that you you know, was re- reminded by God of your past things that he got you through? You know, I think about it all the time. Like, if I'm in a circumstance, if I'm in a depression moment in my life right now, I go back and look at what God did before and say, if he can handle it then, he can definitely handle it now. And if at the very least what you remember that who God is, is that he is this great creator who saved us through his grace. Because we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't get back to God on our own. He saved us through his grace and brought us Jesus uh, through that. So remember who God is and all that he's done. And I love the verse uh, 8 when he says he commands the steadfast love. When I think of steadfast, the word, I think of, of a, you know, maybe a hurricane. And then there's still, in the pictures that you see, there's still something standing firm. Or, or any kind of chaos and something standing firm. I think of steadfast. That's what I think of steadfast. That It's not changing. It's bold. It's staying there. It's not going away. God's love for us is steadfast, and we need to remember that, that from God. Like when we sing about it, like all those songs, I was back there bawling my eyes out because I, I just love God and I love his love for us. And, and I remember that in my life when I'm depressed. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It, it's such a powerful reminder to get your perspective in the right direction. Remind yourself of who God is and who you are in light of that. Um, The third thing that I think David does and that we can learn from David is, I can sing praises to God and my sorrows. Back-to-back verses, verse 8 and 9. By the day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? When I get in depression, when I get in the, the perpetual sadness in my life, there's sometimes I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what God wants for me. I, you know, I go to the word and sometimes it comes up. I'm, I'm just going through the motions of it. But what I can do is I can bring my praise. I can you know, sing a song. I'll turn on a song and it'll just get my heart in the right direction of going towards God. Um, the song that we sang before I came up here, King of My Heart, that one has been one of the most powerful songs in my life lately because of the line, the chorus, that you are good. You are good. Like, that's powerful in our life over our depression. You are good. You are good. You're never going to let me down. Like, you got to realize the truth that's in that. Like, when you sing those words, I hope you don't sing them just to sing them. I hope you feel the magnitude and the power of, you are good, God. No matter what happens to me, you are good. You're never going to let me down. He hasn't, and he's not going to start. Everything that happens to us is going to be glorious to God. We want to glorify God in everything that we do. Um, and the thing that he also does, and it's pretty powerful that he does this, he questions God. He brings God his sorrow. In verse 9, I say to God, my rock. So he reminds himself, hey, God, my rock. So he doesn't, you know, hey, hey, God, you know, I'm why, why? He doesn't just go, why, God? He goes, God, you're my rock, but I want to know, like, it feels like you've forsaken me. We can bring God our sorrow. So many times, you know, growing up in church, we feel like, I feel like, you know, if you question God, people would be like, hey, don't question God. Or, you know, hey, don't ask God why. But when we are in the moments of depression, we don't want to hear that. We want to just pour our heart out to God. 
it's okay for somebody to ask why as long as they don't stay there. Be in somebody's life so much that if they ask the why, you get them out of the why and remind them of who God is. Um, I, I, it's so powerful that he questions God and God can handle our messy prayers. Like, you don't have to have this you know, prestigious prayer with the best language in the world. If you don't know what to pray, pray whatever's on your heart. Be real with God in your depression. Let God know what's wrong. Let God know how you feel because that's when you get real with God like David did. You can bring God your praise and you can bring God your sorrows. Uh, Another song that I I thought of when... um, I think of the praise songs as one growing up. It was, uh, it's an old hymn, is It Is Well. And the, the author of this, It Is Well, was a businessman in Chicago. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he had a son die of pneumonia. And then a couple weeks later, there was the great fire of Chicago and lost everything. But then, you know, after that, he wrote It Is Well. And the line that I, I hold on to is, When sorrows like sea billows roll... When chaos ensues, when everything goes wrong, here's what he does. He says, whatever my lot, whatever happens, thou hast taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Why? Because God is sovereign and he is over our life and he is there for us. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. He is there with us. So when you feel depressed, you can bring God your sorrow and your song. You can praise him. Like if you don't have a song in your heart that... You just, when you're in a bad, depressed way that you don't have, like all the songs we sang before are perfect. The King of My Heart, I, I, like I said, I love that song. The, the other songs we sang are, are, are powerful too because it, it just brings us back to God in, in a way that it, nothing else can. Praise God with the song and bring God your sorrow. The last thing, or the fourth thing that um, David does that we can learn from is he preaches to himself or I preach to myself about who I am and who God is. Uh, he kind of, it seems like he repeats himself in verse five. He says, why are you cast down? O my soul. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God for I shall again, praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Uh, when I remember from the land of Jordan and Hermon of Mount Mazar. So then verse 11, why are you cast down? O my soul. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Notice that, hope in God. For right now, I don't maybe feel like it, but for I will again praise God and praise him, my salvation and my God. So he preaches to himself in this. I think that's key. There's so many times we wake up in the morning and we get this, we don't even know where these came from. These thoughts come up in our mind of, you know, yesterday, you know, oh, you know, yesterday was terrible, and it, it just keeps piling on. Maybe you've felt that spiral. I know I have. When I wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, yesterday was a bad day. Probably today's going to be a bad day. And it just spirals quickly. Uh, you got to stop that, and you got to preach to yourself. So the, the enemy is telling you those things of what happened yesterday. He's trying to bring up all those things, like you're depressed, you know, to curse God. The enemy wants nothing more than you to turn away from God. And the flesh is preaching those th- or is telling you those things. So what you need to do in the spirit is preach to yourself. There's this uh, quote in a book that's called Spiritual Depression by D. Martin <coughs> Lloyd-Jones, and he's, he's talking about this particular psalm, and it's about preaching to yourself. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's, it's so powerful when I read it. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life 
is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? That, is that not true? Like, there's so many times you wake up in the morning and there's stuff running through your head, but you're listening to that stuff. That's that flesh. Instead of preaching to yourself, take those thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they're talking to you. They're bringing back problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who's talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. This kind of seems weird, but the beautiful picture of this is that he... He's telling himself the promises of God. And he even says here to his soul, why are you cast down on my soul, he asked. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I'm going to speak to you. So he says, self, I'm going to tell you something. That's huge. When I'm thinking about, you know, the day to come, when I'm thinking about how I'm supposed to, to walk the day, when I read my Bible in the morning and there's something that's there, I preach it to myself throughout the day. It starts by when I go in the shower, I just pray to God, God, this scripture, you know, I, you promised this here, how can I live it out today? And then I keep going in my day and going, okay, God, how can this live out to, in, in this way that you talked to me this morning? So preach to yourself. How do you know what to preach to yourself? You got to have material. How do you get material? Get in the word. Uh, it's so key that you get in this, this word here, this book. And you don't have to read massive chapters at a time. You just need to read it and take it in. It, I, think of my, I think of the Bible as food now. Like, it took me a while to get there because, I, you know, at first I was just like, I'm doing this to do this. I know I'm supposed to as a Christian to read my Bible. And then as it kept going, God drew me closer and closer to him through his word until the point where I can't get enough of it. Like, if I'm sitting on my phone scrolling through Facebook and I'm like, this person is crazy or this person is depressed or I'm depressed because I don't have what they have. I go, the Holy Spirit within me says, Get off that. Go to your Bible app. You know, that's like, oh, that's so Christian of you. No, it's what needs to happen in our life. If you want freedom from depression, you want freedom from the mind monster depression, get in the Word and be able to preach it to yourself. you got to have the material in order to be able to preach to yourself. There's so many times when, when I hear sermons and when I hear uh, people speak on the Word of God in short videos or whatever, I don't think about, oh, you know, they need to hear that. Or, you know what, I wish they were here to hear that. I think about, that's me, I need this. How can I apply this to my life? I don't read it and go, I'm going to send this to my buddy who, you know, is going through a hard time. I go, this is for me. Everything that God's word has and says here is for me. And I try to apply it to my life, preach it to myself. Even if the, the only thing you can preach to yourself is the gospel, that should be good enough. Preach the gospel yourself, that God, had, we were wicked and, and we turned against God and that he sent Jesus with all of his love and he saved us, not because of anything we've done, but because he loved us. If that's the only thing you can preach yourself, keep preaching that self to yourself. That's so powerful in your life. I, I know when, when I've needed that, God has, has put me in scripture and, and showed me so much through his word when I uh, get in the word in the morning or whenever it is, get in the word, like stop making excuses and get in the word, even if it's for a little portion. 
Um, and Jesus has a lot to say uh, about depression. And I think the best place to go for what Jesus said about getting our perspective in the right place. So David here lays out how he got his perspective back on the right place, back on God instead of himself. And I think Jesus tells us, Jesus has this to say as well. And we, the next one is going to be in Matthew eleven twenty eight. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, the, the people here at this time that were trying to live right were feeling beat down, depressed by the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders because they were trying to make following the law and following God really difficult. Like they had their thumb down on everybody that tried to live right. And so this is what Jesus says to those people at this time. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you feel the truth of that? Do you feel the weight of that? Because you're never going to break free from your depression if all you think about is yourself. If all that you are consumed with is yourself, you just can't get past yourself, you can't get past everything that's going wrong in my life, you're just perpetually sad, continually sad, you'll never get free from that depression. What gets us to the point where we're able to be free from that depression is coming to Jesus. Getting the right perspective. Every time I read this, the first three uh, words just are so powerful to me. Come to me. A God that's so mighty and that created everything, what does he tell us to do? Come to him. I hope you feel the weight of that. That Come to me all who are heavy uh, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If your depression is getting you to the point where you can't rest, you stay up at night, maybe you need to turn it over to God. Maybe you need to get the right perspective on your depression. Maybe everything's going wrong for you, but maybe you haven't given it to God like you should have. Maybe you haven't given the right perspective of what God is doing in your life. Um, I, when I think about this verse, it, it blows me away and it gets me to just... Think about every time that I'm in the moment of depression, I turn to God. Come to me. If you feel the weight of that, I want to pray for us. And I want to just preach this over our life is come to me. Come to Jesus. I don't, out of all of this, I want you to look to Jesus more than anything else. It's not another self-help book. It's not doing the, I, Jesus. Go to Jesus. Turn your perspective to Jesus. Turn your depression over to Jesus. Why? Because he can give you rest. He'll give you the satisfaction that you need. Not anything else. Not those things that, because you're going to keep coming to those things that you keep feeding that depression and you're going to keep coming up empty. You're going to keep feeling like there's a desert in your soul. But the only thing that can satisfy your soul is Jesus. So if you feel this weight of the depression that you're in, if you feel like you can't get free, I want to pray for us, all right? So let's pray, and I want to pray over us with this verse as we go from here that we're, anytime we're in depression, anytime we get in this sadness state of mind, that we will surrender it to Christ, that we will not just sit there and sulk in our own way, that we'll turn our perspective to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled that you have given us Jesus that 
when we are burdened by our circumstances, that when we are heartbroken from whatever's happening, when we compare ourselves to other people, that you call us to come to you. Father, I pray for anyone that's in this room right now that feels the weight of this, that feels depressed, that feels like the darkness won't go away. I pray that you will show yourself to these people, God, that these, whoever it is, that they will see that they've had the wrong perspective. They've been looking selfishly. They've been looking only at what's going wrong with their life. Father, I pray that we'll get the right perspective of our depression, that you are the one that we come to. We come to you. You satisfy our soul like nobody else does. You are the one that has called us to be a light to the world. Help us to be that light and to be around people and lift them up when they are depressed, to point people to Jesus no matter what. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for how much you love us. Go with us from here and use us for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.